Blog Talk Radio. Family-owned and operated hatchery. 
They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Uh, Happy New Year to you. This is our first broadcast in 2015, and we're really looking forward to a really a great new year. And I do have a few announcements before we bring on uh, Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, to talk about our topic today. So we'll get started with some uh, very exciting news. Uh, the Chicken Whisperer does have a new premier sponsor, uh, Combox Feeds. And uh, we're really excited about this partnership. Uh, it was uh, really the one of the first times in uh, about well, many years, at least six years of doing this uh, really uh, full-time at the uh, um, caliber we're doing it right now as far as touring and sponsorships and things, where we had a very, uh, what seemed to be like a difficult decision to make between three uh, very large national companies that wanted to, uh, to be our premier sponsor. And after talking with all of them uh, and uh, a lot of soul-searching and prayer and discussion with the family, um, we decided to go ahead and uh, launch our relationship with Kalmbach Feeds based on uh, many different um, <clears throat> reasonings uh, that I won't all get into, but many of them uh, include um, 
really the the company itself, how it's run, the, the people of the company at Compaq, uh, their uh, superior products, which I was just so impressed uh, touring the plant. It was just truly amazing. Uh, their their business model, uh, their future endeavors. And really a lot of opportunity uh, for not just me, but also uh, my fans and, and other sponsors as well. <clears throat> we're looking at doing things like new product uh, development. Uh, we're looking at getting their feed into the hands of people all across the country in different methods, uh, like ordering uh, off of Amazon if they don't happen to have it in your area. So very, very interesting um, and uh, I think will end up being a great decision for 2015 and 2016. And um, <clears throat> so I'll keep you posted on all the different um, things that we've got going on, new product development, and I'm very excited about. So uh, welcome, Kalmbach Feeds. Of course, they have their own feed uh, poultry nutritionist, and we're looking at lining her up to be on about once a month to talk about poultry nutrition with the, not only just their different products, but uh, the disadvantages of too many quote-unquote treats uh, regarding the health of your chickens and other things that we talk about here all the time, of course, with Peter Brown, the chicken doctor. <clears throat> and um, so we're looking forward to 2015. So that's announcement uh, number one. Uh, announcement number two <clears throat> is that I will be out of pocket um, uh, for uh, probably at least a week, uh, depending on how I'm feeling. I have scheduled some surgery that will take place on January the 16th. Pre-op is the 15th. Uh, I am going to have it done while I'm here in Florida with my family. We do have some friends coming down for that week to help Jen with the kids and, and just help around the, <clears throat> around the, as we need. So uh, we're getting all that kind of planned out and scheduled uh, as we speak. Uh, before today's show, even I was looking at some uh, different areas uh, to, to do a one-week rental for a home because, you know, we're in the RV so we can all stay under the same roof while I recover. And so uh, I'll, I'll give you more details as the day gets closer. And um, I would ask that you please put me on your prayer list, your church prayer list. Keep me in your prayers. If you're not a prayer person, uplifting thoughts and good vibes and spirits my way and all that great stuff, I'll take them all. And um, <clears throat> that will be happening on the 16th. I do have pre-op on the 15th, so probably no show that Thursday. But I think the beginning of next week shouldn't be a problem regarding a broadcast. So we'll just have to see what, what it brings. <laughs> but there will probably be no shows uh, the following week, which would be, uh, let's see, 16th, 19th, the week of the 19th, I guess. Probably no shows that week, but should be back to broadcasting the, the week after. And so, uh, and I will hopefully have time to, to Facebook recovery efforts and things like that. So that's the next announcement I, I wanted to make. And I'm sure there were a couple of others <laughs> that I wanted to make about 2015. Um, and if I think about them during the broadcast, when I come back in from break, I will definitely share those uh, with you. Um, as far as chickens in the news, if you follow us on Facebook, I did post uh, earlier this morning, a post, and and what was kind of uh, most shocking about this, because now it seems like chicken coop fires due to dangerous heat lamps are a dime a dozen. Every year for the last at least six years, I've been posting anywhere from, gosh, 30 to maybe close to 100 coop fires every year, and that's just the ones that we hear about and know about. Um, but I did post one this morning um, regarding 
that involved uh, the, the humane society of all folks um, in a particular city and state, and apparently it wasn't at the humane society's location itself, but the caretaker's home of the humane society. Apparently, I was corrected on that because my uh, my post was worded as. Looks like the Humane Society killed their chickens with kindness. This unnecessary heat lamp fire killed all their chickens and caused $30,000 in damage. I did post this on our Facebook page. You can go and take a look and read the article. And um, someone in the comments, I haven't confirmed this, but they stated it wasn't actually at the Humane Society, but at the caretaker's home, in private garage there at the Humane Society, but if they're responsible for taking care of all the animals there at the Humane Society, then I think maybe they should know better um, than use a dangerous heat lamp, which now they see the effects of. Sad all the way around, a bunch of dead chickens, $30,000 in damage, a total vehicle. Um, But um, I just thought that maybe uh, the folks and caretakers at uh, any Humane Society around the country would be up on the uh, uh, information about the dangers of using heat lamps. Maybe they're not fans of the chicken whisperer need to be. Um, maybe they don't listen to the broadcast like they, they should to get information about proper care of, uh, of chickens. But uh, nonetheless, it was a sad story all around. You can read that at our Facebook page. Also, I posted a brand-new product that's coming out from uh, Bright Tap. Uh, you know them with the Bright Tap um, chicken waterer. They've come out, which will be released in March, the Bright Tap Chick Theater, which is a very interesting concept. You can take a look at that over on my Facebook page as well. So other than the announcement that other than the announcement <laughs> that um as you can tell, I'm a little under the weather. I do gotta have a have a cold. It is not the flu, thank the Lord, um, because that is going around like crazy. It's causing a lot of deaths. Particularly in the uh, young. Um, in fact, Jen had a teacher friend, her sister-in-law, um, just uh, just before Christmas. Woke up one morning. <coughs> pardon me. Found uh, her 20, 23-month-old daughter had uh, um, passed away overnight, uh, and that was caused by the flu. So I'm so glad it's not the flu and just a cold. I know exactly where I got it. I know exactly who I got it from, and um, I'm going to send them a mean, a mean email later. <laughs> but anywho, thank goodness there's always a bright side to every situation. It's not the flu and just a cold. And believe it or not, though I don't sound like it, I'm kind of on the upswing, which is a good thing. Mom and uh, Lily haven't got it yet, but Caleb got it. Me and him kind of got it at the same time from this particular person that we both have identified. (laughs) But anyhow, that's all water under the bridge, and I am on the road to recovery. So more than likely, I won't be commenting too much during the show because if I do and have to cough or sneeze or what have you, I'll just put myself on mute like I just did. No need you hearing all that nasty um, coughing and gagging. (laughs) But anyway, uh, we've got a great topic today with our good friend Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. And today's topic is actually all about <clears throat> northern fowl mites, lice, red mite, uh, stick-tight fleas, 
and uh, remedies and control. So really a, a awesome topic, popular topic, and uh, we're going to get to the bottom of all these. Uh, what we'll just say right now with our good friend Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, <laughs> founder of First State com. Peter, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us today. Happy New Year, Andy. Glad to be here. Well, yeah, I'm glad to be here, too. And it gets to be the alternative. And I hope I'll say, hey, I'm not here after surgery. I'll be like, yeah, I woke up. So um, I'm still here. Anyway. Yeah, it's a good thing. still have a daddy. So. But, um, but, yeah, so we're hoping for the best. But, yeah, we're looking forward to a great 2015, lots of stuff going on with backyard poultry and advancements and things. And, and uh, we're here, like we always do, spread much of the love, want to get the right information out there for people to use at their discretion. So um, we're also glad to have you back uh, every single Monday here on Backyard Poultry with Chicken Whisperer. So a great topic today. I know we've covered it before, but, hey, you know, some people can listen when they can, some can't, so it uh, never hurts to repeat things, especially as common a lot of times as mites and lice. Yeah, um, <clears throat> what what brought this to uh, uh, to, to light for me? Uh, like you said, we've done it before, uh, multiple times, I'm sure. And uh, right now uh, on Facebook and a couple of other places, I guess at least I know for sure on Facebook there are some <clears throat> some uh, uh, forums where they're uh, uh, talking about mites and mite control and problems that people are having. Um, and um, uh, there's a lot of misinformation. Uh, that's out there, um, and one thing that I've noticed uh, over uh, not only of the, all the years of doing this, but uh, paid special attention to when I read these different posts, uh, when somebody asks a question such as, uh, uh, you know, what do you do for mites? Um, you know, I'm tired of the dust; they don't work. And uh, I think if you go back in the archives and you and you listen to uh, to uh, the shows that we've done on this, I, I've pretty much said that they don't work. Uh, as a general rule, um, there you know <clears throat> nothing's 100% working or not working as you know as 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 we look at it in, in most instances. But in the majority of cases, the dust just don't cut it. Um, you know, even the commercial poultry industry, for the most part, has gone away from the dusts and, and that kind of stuff. They just they're just not effective. And uh, but the other thing I noticed about about things um, when people were posting. Um, you know the methodology that they use to con- control the mites. Uh, some of them are off the wall, uh, going through elaborate things. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, you know, taking the uh, the dust and mixing it with uh, uh, Vaseline or some other uh, sticky agent, and then putting that around the vent feathers and stuff instead of using something, you know, more modern uh, and cl- you know claiming it works. And maybe it does, but to me, that seems like a giant pain in the backside. Um, and uh, I certainly wouldn't have the time. Certainly, I've had a lot of birds that wouldn't have the time to run around and, and dust everybody's back end with Vaseline and, and uh, Seven Dust or whatever they're they're using. The other thing I noticed uh, was that not one person, and I mean not one, out of uh, at least one post that I was looking at had uh, maybe 30 or 40 different comments. Uh, not one person was using what we would call a rotational program. Uh, meaning using one insecticide for a month or two at the mo- maximum and switching off to something else for a couple of months and coming back to something else and and, and that type of thing. <clears throat> and I suspect that uh, the reason for it is uh, either pure ignorance uh, and, and not understanding uh, 
that the constant use of uh, anything, whether it be an insecticide, a medication, uh, and using it, and certainly in many cases using it improperly, uh, you know, gives you any kind of long-term results. You end up with resistance uh, building, and a lot of the insecticides that are out on the market uh, today uh, have built resistance. Uh, and, and built it in a, in a big way. Not in all areas of the country. Some areas are worse than others. But they have built uh, a lot of resistance up. So nobody that I could see was using any kind of a rotational program. It was, uh, you know, I use Frontline every month. Uh, I use Ivermectin every month. I use uh, uh, Ivermectin drench in the water three times a year. Um, you know, I, I use seven dust monthly. I, I dust the, 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 uh, the, the bedding as well and, and all of these other things. But not one person... Uh, in any of the uh, uh, information that, that was brought to my attention, <clears throat> had any kind of program in place to uh, to rotate these things around and uh, give the product some longevity. Um, that being said, that's why we always run into these problems where people are, are reaching out and saying, hey, what can I do? The interesting part about it is that uh, once you tell them what to do, uh, they're not really that interested. So... Um, you know, a couple of things come to mind. Either uh, we can't afford it, which is probably the most likely. Um, number two, maybe we don't believe in it. And number three, maybe we're just too lazy to do it. I don't know. Maybe a combination of the three. But, um, you know, I, I listened to a, a program the other day where they were doing studies, uh, and this is not just in America where we think that a lot of people are lazy uh, or, or can't change. <clears throat> There's a worldwide problem, and uh, these studies were run, uh, and they, only about 15% of people uh, worldwide uh, uh, are capable of changing their behaviors. So, um, you know, if you think that uh, just ha talking to people sometimes is going to change their behavior, probably not. The odds are stacked against you. And it's a human thing. It's not a, it's not a, um, uh, a particular group of people in, in, a, in one particular country. It's, it's uh, widespread across the board. So maybe that explains... Uh, the uh, human frailty and the inability to, to make those changes uh, that are necessary to uh, uh, get to where you want to go, even, even in the condition where we're talking about mites, uh, which actually uh, you know, have, can take quite a toll uh, on, on the birds uh, once they uh, uh, set up shop and, and, uh, and uh, start multiplying and uh, uh, start to, to really irritate the birds and, and so on. So uh, I thought it would be a good idea to do a quick review of um, several of the different, different mites. Technically, uh, when you look at them, while they are different from each other, uh, we use the same agents to uh, dispatch them as well. Um, so um, most of the treatments that you hear for one will be the same treatment for the, for the uh, other or uh, treatment preventative measures uh, as best as you can uh, prevent these things. So um, first off, um, so we don't have to go through it with each and every one, but the majority of, of mites are spread, <clears throat> uh, probably number one, from uh, other infected chickens. And then the question becomes, um, you know, how did those chickens get those mites? And most of you flee free-flying uh, birds, um, uh, your doves, your pigeons, your sparrows, uh, house wrens, uh, all, all of these free-flying birds uh, carry uh, the, the mites and spread them around and, and that kind of thing. So birds that are exposed uh, or chickens that are exposed to these uh, birds, 
either through open pens uh, or pens that don't have netting on them that will keep the birds out, uh, and uh, uh, free-range birds and that kind of thing uh, run a bigger risk of, of uh, uh, picking up these mites and starting an infestation uh, in your coop. The um, other way to get it is uh, from another chicken, basically, at, at a poultry show. That's a possibility. It happens all the time. Uh, another way to get it is to buy uh, birds from people uh, who have the mites. Uh, don't convey that to you that they've had a problem or, 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 or that they're treating. Uh, you bring the birds home. You didn't do your due diligence, uh, as we've spoken to before on this show. Uh, when you decide that you're going to buy birds from somebody, uh, what do we do? We do the drive-by, right? That's the first thing we do. We drive by. If the place doesn't look as good or better than yours, keep driving. Not obligated to buy anything, even though you said you might. Okay. Secondly, if you decide to stop, you want to see how the biosecurity is set up on that farm. Does he invite you or she invite you directly into the poultry group without uh, even so much as uh, having you step in a pan of, uh, of clean disinfect, not one that's been there for two months and got uh, an inch and a half of uh, mud in the bottom of it. Okay. All of these play into the, the, the care of the birds because if you can't take care of this part of it, you're probably not going to take very good care of the birds. So you make it into the, into the coop, and then you want to do an examination of the coop itself. Is it clean? Within reason. You don't want it to be white glove clean, but is it clean? Is it well kept? Is it feed? Is there water? Do the birds look happy? Are they scratching, sneezing, uh, laying down uh, all the time, not moving, uh, sitting in the corner? Uh, all these things. Observe. Look. Pay attention. And uh, when you do your uh, decide you want to look at a couple of birds, when you have the opportunity to pick those birds up, you're going to look them over from head to toe. You're going to look for mites everywhere and anywhere under the wings, on the head, <clears throat> under, under the tail head, the vent, the, uh, everywhere and anywhere on that bird. You're going to part feathers and look for, look for mites, okay? And, um, you know, that, that will go a long way uh, in, in uh, not bringing something home uh, that you really don't want. Uh, generally, if you've uh, uh, had an opportunity to raise birds for a long period of time, you're more than likely going to get them here regardless, but... Uh, there's no point in helping yourself out and getting them by uh, not doing the due diligence and paying attention and uh, you know, taking care of business on, on somebody else's place and deciding that you're going to leave them there rather than take them home. And if I had a nickel for everybody that says, but only, they only had mites, they only had a little sneeze, they only had a little runny nose, their, the eye was only a little swollen, uh, if I had a nickel for every time those people told me that, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'd be in Acapulco or someplace uh, retired and, and, and whatever. But the, the point of the matter is, is that if you pay attention there, you're probably not going to bring the problem home. The same thing with a respiratory issue. We're going to take that bird. We're going to look in the mouth. We're going to look for growth. We're going to look in the ears. We're going to look at those eyes. Make sure they're clean. Make sure they're bright. Make sure the bird's responsive to you. Okay? You're going to hold a bird's mouth shut and its nostrils closed for about 15 to 20 seconds and see if it bubbles with little fine bubbles in the corner of the eyes. If it does, has an ongoing issue that isn't showing, and it's a respiratory problem, put the bird down, beg off, go home, look for another flock to buy your birds from. Okay? That being said, we'll go over a couple of these things as far as the, the mites are concerned. Uh, the most uh, common uh, mite that we normally see is the northern fowl mite. Uh, and again, the source of infection for these would be your free-flying birds, pigeons, doves, uh, that type of thing. Okay? Okay? Uh, 
you'll know them when you see them on the birds. Uh, these, bir these mites have a tendency to stick pretty much, but not always, uh, right around the vent area. Uh, this way they can uh, get moisture from the bird. Um, they spend uh, all their time, day and night, basically on the bird. Um, um, there are times when you can uh, find them on the roost or uh, on the walls, uh, around the roost, in places where the birds are nesting and that kind of thing. But by and large, uh, you will find them uh, on the bird. Uh, and as a general rule, um, when you pick a bird up that has a pretty decent infestation of these northern fowl mites, uh, generally they'll crawl on you. They won't want to stay on you very long. They're annoying. They're creepy uh, as far as that's concerned. Um, but they're not going to bite you. They're not going to set up shop on you and that kind of thing. But they they can give you the, the, the scratchies and the heebie-jeebies as far as that's concerned. These mites are pretty much black in color, look like specks of pepper, specks of dirt, and you just watch for movement. You'll see them moving around, and you'll know what they are. That's, that's how you can tell the difference between the mite and the dirt. Put your finger down there and push them around a little bit. If it's just dirt, it's going to stay there. If it's mites, they're going to move. They're going to crawl on your hand. So that's one way of identifying uh, who they are, where they are. Um, and uh, so there will be small dark spots, basically. Um, and these are um, um, really, really tiny comparatively to uh, the red mite. And we'll get the red mite in a, in a, uh, in a second here. But the uh, the red mite is... is uh, um, is larger, and uh, obviously the name red, it's, it's a different color. And we'll explain how to uh, figure them out uh, and everything else. So um, what kind of treatment would you use for the uh, uh, northern fowl mite? Uh, and you would probably use the same treatment for uh, most of the other things that we're going to talk about here uh, today. Um, I think your number one uh, line of defense is the permethrin, 10%. And, um, you know, these products have changed. Uh, they used to be uh, a 5% product and a, uh, a lesser, uh, I think, 5.7% and then 10% product. Uh, and that's because there is resistance to these products, the permethrin included. Um, some people use uh, Adam's flea and tick spray. And unless you're using the uh, permethrin, and I'll explain the difference here in a minute, uh, I wouldn't bother and waste my time. Uh, the... Adams, uh, and I used to sell it, don't sell it anymore, so I can't really speak to whether or not they still sell the two different ones, but they used to sell a permethrin and a pyrethrin. Pyrethrin, uh, a natural product, uh, permethrin, a man-made product. The pyrethrin uh, is a quick knockdown uh, contact killer, uh, meaning that it uh, gets on the insect and uh, kills it, uh, but once it's dr uh, dry, it stops working. The permethrin pretty much is a contact killer as well. Um, takes a matter of seconds and minutes to, to kill. Uh, but when it dries, it does have a residual value to it. Residual meaning continues to kill and work uh, after uh, it's dry. The length of time that this product, the permethrin, will be uh, viable will depend on how dirty the bird gets. Uh, when the uh, permethrin itself gets covered up with uh, a lot of dirt and mud and uh, fecal matter and everything else like that, uh, obviously it's not going to work. Um, so the 10% the, uh, permethrin, uh, you can make it up as a spray uh, and spray it on the birds. Uh, yeah, naturally, you want to do this at a time of the year when it's not freezing cold out. Um, and um, I'm a big fan of if you're going to get these things under control, whether it be uh, uh, red mite, uh, 
northern foul mite, lice, or whatever, you're going to want to do the coop and the bird all at the same time, all in the same day. And so that means taking all the manure out and getting rid of it, uh, putting the birds outside. Uh, I would probably do the birds first thing uh, as a a, um, uh, spray, or or you can make it up into a dip, put it in a tote, and uh, dip the bird in it and uh, ruffle the feathers up the opposite way, get, get this stuff right down to the skin, and then throw the bird out on the ground in the pen and let them shake it off. Uh, you don't need to dry them or anything. Let them, let them drip dry. And then you can take that remaining permethrin. You can uh, take an old stocking or a, uh, a paint filter and filter out the manure and the feathers, put that in a pump-up garden sprayer, and once you've washed down and cleaned up your, your coop and removed the manure, you can take that permethrin and you can uh, spray it on every little nook and cranny, starting at the top of the wall, coming down the wall, going in through, and let it cascade down the wall just like a little miniature waterfall all the way down to the bottom. Get behind every piece of 2x4, uh, every, every roost pole, every place where these things hang out or anything, and um, let that dry. It doesn't have to be dry to the touch. Just can't have standing puddles of permethrin around. Uh, don't want it wet, wet, but relatively dry. And then put your birds back in it. Put your bedding back in. Put your birds back in, and you're done. Uh, it's a lot of work. There isn't any question about it. But if you continue to do something like this and then continue to take care of the birds after that uh, and rotate your products around, uh, by and large, down the road, you'll have a lot less trouble with this. And this clean-out thing and doing the coop and the birds all at the same time can be a uh, semi-annual or an annual event rather than a uh, once-a-month or once-every-six-weeks event. Uh, there's a big difference there. So uh, that's the number one product that I personally uh, would consider using. Um, the next product uh, that I would put in a rotational program uh, would be a product called Elector. Elector is one of the newest products uh, on the market. Uh, has a very wide margin of safety for humans uh, and the chickens both. Um, this can be sprayed on the birds. Uh, can be used every two weeks if necessary. So if you had an outbreak um, in, in your coop, uh, it would be a product that you could come back very quickly and, uh, and uh, use again to, uh, to get this knocked down and get it under control. Um, the active ingredient in it is Spinosad. That's S-P-I-N-O-S-A-D. Um, it's been around for a while in uh, dogs and cats, I believe, and, uh, and products uh, uh Trifexis, I believe, is one, and the other is Comfortis. Uh, the active ingredient in those are uh, spinosad. They're, they're given orally. The uh, elector is a spray. Okay, and um, the nice thing about the elector is that its um, ability to to uh, get control of a mite situation uh, on all the reports that I've gotten back from at least a dozen people now uh, that it's it's quick, it's fast, it's effective. Um, and uh, according to the manufacturer, the methodology or the place where the uh, elector uh, uh, attacks the insect's uh, uh, system is different. The, the, uh, it's different than where the permethrin, the uh, uh, ivermectin, and all these others, uh, seven and so on, uh, attack. <clears throat> so therefore, because those products that I mentioned are, are, have already built a lot of resistance, this is not going to react at the same receptor sites, so therefore its, its chances of building resistance are going to be a lot less. So we'll have it around, hopefully, for a longer period of time. Um, 
but that'll only you know that'll only go as as people use it and use it properly. I have yet to see a insecticide that was meant to be sprayed or or dipped or whatever that didn't have on the inside panel uh, a statement saying that this is to be used as part of a rotational program. Okay, most people are not going to read that, but it it, it is part or should be part of a rotational program. Uh, after those two products, um, you can use ivermectin, you can use uh, poultry protector, and last but not least, uh, for me at least, would be Seven Dust. Um, the poultry protector product, a very good product, slower acting. Uh, the good part about the uh, poultry protector, from my perspective, um, is that you can use it every day if you had to. Okay, It's inexpensive compared to a lot of the other things uh, that are available. So it, it is a viable product. It's just going to take you longer to gain control. Um, if you are wanting to do things more organic uh, and with less pesticide residues, uh, you, I would consider the Elector. It has a very wide margin of safety. has no egg withdrawal at all. Um, and uh, certainly the uh, Poultry Protector products uh, uh, you know, offer that same thing, no egg withdrawal, very safe, uh, uh, even uh, a candidate for an organic product uh, uh, as far as things go. But um, So, you know, <clears throat> just bear in mind, if you decide to use the poultry protector, you're, you're going to have uh, a little bit more of a battle, but you can do it every day, and that, that's the good part about it. But it does work uh, when applied in a good rotational program, and I would not leave it out of my program, okay, as far as, you know, looking at it from, from that standpoint. I think it's a, it's a good product, uh, has, has good merit. When we talk about the red mite, uh, they're a, a, a little bit uh, uh, bigger than the uh, than the uh, uh, northern foul mite. Um, you don't always see them as red. That's the tip-off with them. So when you're looking for these mites, okay, they will look a, a light gray, and they and then you can tell that they're probably immature at that point. Uh, and they, as they uh, suck the blood from the uh, the uh, the, uh, the birds, uh, they turn red. Obviously, so there's where the red mite uh, part of it comes in. Uh, they are about a millimeter uh, or so, uh, maybe a little bit longer uh, in, in length. And uh, these are um, nocturnal mites, different than the northern fowl mite, where they stay on the bird. So it is possible for you to take birds and examine them. Most people examine their birds during the daylight hours. So you take a bird, and it's running around the yard, and you're checking for mites, and you don't see anything. You might see some scabbing somewhere and think that, you know, the rooster attacked her or, uh, you know, that she's rubbed herself somewhere or, or, you know, too rough a dust bath or some other excuse that you might want to use. Um, But you won't see these until you go in at night because that's when they're going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to get on the bird and feed. So um, one of the tip-offs for these here, uh, red mites, would be when you uh, go into your coop at night when the birds should be all settled down and everybody quiet, they're a little bit agitated. That's because the mites are crawling on them, feeding on their on their blood. So um, if the birds are uneasy, uh, that might be the prime time for you to pick them up and uh, take a look-see, and I'm sure you'll see these mites running all around on them. So... Uh, that's the basic difference between the two. I don't think there's a whole lot more that you need to know other than the fact that all of these mites uh, can uh, carry different diseases. 
um, there's uh, some evidence uh, that um, the red mites uh, have been able to, in, in years past, transmit uh, foul pox uh, as a possibility. Uh, and that's mainly because they're, they're sucking on, on birds' blood and, and uh, being able to transmit uh, uh, the, the disease that way because pox requires a break in the, in the skin, so it's a, it's a perfect vector, a vector meaning a methodology to get it from one point to another. So when you look at these red mites, um, that's, they are a huge problem in Europe, and um, we have an advantage for the moment anyway over our European counterparts where we can go to the store uh, and we can buy insecticides and everything else. They can't. Everything they do has to be uh, go through a veterinarian if it's going to be put on animals and so on and so forth. They just can't go down and, and buy the things that, that we can buy. Uh, yeah, they can buy the DE and all those other things, red mite powders. And red mite powders are nothing more uh, than, uh, than diatomaceous earth. And I left diatomaceous earth out here. Um, it's certainly a product that, that people uh, can use. Um, I think it would work okay for a, uh, a small outbreak, but I don't think you're really going to gain that much control. Again, it being a powder, not that it can't work. It's that the longevity of it doesn't, it won't go in and kill everything. has to be uh, uh, this agitating of the, of the uh, diatomaceous earth against the cuticle of the insect in order to expose it to the outside air and kill it. So um, uh, it may be a product that you could uh, put into the litter, certainly, uh, and you could put into uh, dust bath boxes to help control, but it's not, in my opinion, uh, going to be the end all, and I know there are people that argue that point, and I'm fine with that. If it works for you, just keep running with that ball. And you know, I don't, I'm not here to try to change uh, the methodology that you're using. If the claim that you're making for yourself is that it works, if you've got yourself convinced that it works, uh, I'm okay with that. Okay, so that's that's the big deal that you're going to see, and you're going to see uh, these uh, red mites. <clears throat> they don't like the uh, cold weather as much as the northern foul mites do. So you're going to see the red mites appear more so in the uh, summertime and less in the wintertime. So that's another tip-off. Technically, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what kind of mites you have. What we're trying to do here is uh, show you how you can look to see, because if you examine a bird during the day and it doesn't have any mites on it, and you think it's free, but you put it back in the coop, and the red mites are actually there, and they jump on at night, um, you may be missing the boat and not understanding why birds are uh, scarred up and scabbed up and maybe getting sick or whatever the case may be. Certainly can lower egg production. Uh, uh, it can cause weight loss. Uh, the birds can stop eating, uh, you know, and, and a whole lot of other things, scratching themselves and injuring themselves with their with their, uh, their toenails and, and so on. So, again, uh, this one here, more than anything, you're going to want to clean that coop out. You're going to want to make sure you soak every inch of that coop, every crack, every nook, every cranny. Uh, if you're using two-by-fours attached to the wall uh, to um, hold up your roost, you might want to even consider pulling them down, cleaning all behind it, uh, spraying your, your permethrin or your, or your uh, elector or your, your um, uh, poultry protector or whatever it is that you're going to use uh, in all of these places so that you can get rid of them or get them under control. So it's extremely important that, that, you, uh, that you do that. And that's what we're really trying to con convey here, that the treatment technically is all the same for all of them. It's just that you, the recognizing them will go a, you know, a, a greater length for you to, to understand how to get rid of them. Okay? Um, 
the uh, one of the best ways to get rid of mites, lice, and everything else uh, that I personally like is to uh, uh, mix up the uh, uh, permethrin in, in the uh, in the tote because it's quick, it's simple, it gets the entire body. Um, you should wear a pair of uh, rubber gloves up to your elbows uh, or better, uh, or at least in that area, uh, a rubber apron and some rubber boots, uh, and not let this stuff, you know, uh, constantly get directly on your skin. Uh, it's just prudent to do that. Um, but at any rate, <clears throat> I like that method. It's quick. It's easy. Uh, it's inexpensive in the long run, and the uh, Residual material left in the tote uh, ends up being the product that you're going to spray back on the wall, so there's no really no waste to it when you look at it from that standpoint. And you use any any uh, pump-up garden sprayer to to do that, but make sure you filter out any manure, feathers, and and uh, shavings and whatever else might be uh, uh, might be in the uh, in the material so that it doesn't clog up your sprayer. We're going to move on to, to lice. Um, uh, I think a couple of things here. There are, are or, uh, different uh, species of lice that affect chickens. Uh, each one of them lives in a different area. Um, hey, Peter? Yeah. Can we go ahead and go uh, maybe to commercial break and come back and continue with the lice? Yeah, yeah, we're not that far from being done. Sure, certainly. Okay, okay great. Yep, already we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. Uh, great topic today, and there will be more to come right after this short break from our sponsors. So stay with us, folks. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water they eat. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, 
Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. McMurray Hatchery is the world's oldest and largest rare breed hatchery. They have been providing their customers quality poultry since 1917 and have more than 110 different breeds to choose from. Be sure to sign up for their weekly special email at mcmurrayhatchery.com and receive a $5 internet exclusive coupon to use on your first internet order. McMurray Hatchery, the world's largest and oldest rare breed hatchery. This looks like a job for... Super Chicken... You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. Hey, and we're today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Again, if you missed any part of today's show or you're just tuning in late, uh, the show will be archived for your listening pleasure uh, about 30 minutes after the show ends today. And you can listen to that on a regular basis at iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com, and Right here at blogtalkradio.com. Just click on the same link you did to listen live uh, 30 or 45 minutes after the show, and you'll be able to hear the show in its entirety. So uh, let's bring back on Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. If they don't have it, you don't need it. Let's continue our talk today about mites and lice. Yeah, Andy, um, the... uh, the lice have been around for ages, just like most of these uh, insects, and uh, um, I don't think it's overly important to understand, um, you know, that there are different uh, uh, different um, species of of, uh, of lice that affect chickens. But it, mainly, uh, you, you can identify them by where they where they are located. Uh, so. Uh, I uh, can't remember exactly. I think somewhere between five and six or seven or so uh, different ones uh, affect chickens. Uh, they don't like humans as a general rule. Uh, they may, again, they may crawl on you, make you feel like you got the creepy crawlies, but they're not going to set up shop on you, on you and, and, and so on. Um, but man can be a, a carrier or, again, a vector for these, uh, these lice and get them on them and then go handle another uh, chicken that doesn't have it and spread it that way. Uh, again, free-flying birds uh, and so on uh, will will carry your uh, your, your lice. Um, they're not biting lice. Uh, these lice uh, 
feast on uh, bits of skin uh, and debris on the skin and uh, you know pieces of feather and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but basically, um, um, you've got uh, the, the body lice, uh, feather shaft, the head lice that are up on top of the head, uh, the wing uh, lice, uh, brown uh, the uh, brown <coughs> brown lice, and um, I think there's a fluff louse and uh, large poultry louse as well, I think. Uh, so there's somewhere between five and seven. I don't know how many I named just off the top of my head here. but And again, you're going to go back and you're going to do the same thing with these. You're going to treat them the same way. Uh, the hardest thing is, uh, and you'll see them, they're the grayish-looking color on, on, the, on, the, on the skin crawling around, and you're going to see the egg uh, casts on the, uh, on the feathers. And... Um, that's probably the hardest thing to get off once you do is, is the uh, the uh, uh, the egg uh, casts that are still left over even after the, uh, the eggs have been killed on the uh, on the, on the feathers and the feather shafts and what have you. But you're still going to use the same methodology again. I, I uh, like to start with the permethrin. That's the most economical. Uh, it is uh, pretty much effective uh, compared to a lot of the other things, except for the Elector, which is uh, at the moment the the most effective product on the market. But uh, easy to get under control, uh, pain in the neck, like all of it. No, nobody likes crawlies uh, crawling all over you and, and that kind of thing. The downside to all of these things is, uh, I think, should be the takeaways from it is the emaciation of the bird, the loss of body weight uh, with the red mite and the northern fowl mite. Uh, you can have mortality. They can uh, pass disease, uh, all of these things. Uh, the loss of body weight, loss of appetite. Uh, and, and that kind of thing. And the younger the bird that's infected with these things, the greater the chance of, of having mortality. So I think that those are some takeaways from this uh, at this point for these things. Um, scaly leg mite, not too long ago we talked about it. Uh, I did I think we did almost a whole show on that one because of the uh, there were some, some problems going around with it. Um, still seeing a couple of people out there wondering what to do and going the route of Vaseline, motor oil, and all the other stupid things. Uh, that they think are effective because they heard it somewhere on the web or somebody said it was effective, um, and they may be. It's just that I can't understand why you would, you know, put those kinds of things. And motor oil of of anything, I mean, it's got you know all kinds of heavy metals in it and everything else, and you're worried about organics you're going to put on your bird. I don't get it. But um, the whole idea is they burrow under the skin. Uh, again, if you take the permethrin uh, and uh, put it in a tote. Uh, deep enough to stand the bird into it up to its uh, thighs, and you put that bird in there and stand it there for a minute, minute and a half, take it out, come back in 10 days, do it again, they should be gone. And then it's a matter of putting some lanolin-based cream on the legs and getting the suppleness back in the scales, uh, and it should go away. Be aware that this can happen and does happen on occasion, although it's more rare, it does happen on the face and the comb as well. So I think it's it's worth uh, looking at, at, uh, at that. And again, uh, the, the same treatments basically apply there. The spinosad can be used the same way. Um, and if you decide that you want to use uh, lard or Vaseline, so be it. If it works for you, I'm happy. Happy, happy, happy. So um, this last one uh, is an interesting one. Uh, you don't see it very often. Uh, it is something you may see in your more uh, tropical states here in the U.S., your, your southern states, Florida, Florida. Uh, Places in Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, and some other places too. There, it's been around, but it's predominantly 
a warmer weather uh, type of, uh, of a problem, and that's the stick-tight flea. Okay? Um, and you know these, they're, they're bigger than the red mite. These are about one and a half millimeters in length. And uh, you'll, you'll know them. It would be so easy to distinguish these between the others because these are reddish brown. They are larger, but they actually attach themselves to the skin. That's why they're called stick tight. Okay? And you'll find these predominantly on the unfeathered portions, the comb, the wattles of, of the face, around the eyelids. Uh, that's predominantly where they go. You may find some uh, on the shanks of the legs, the upper softer portions. And what they do is these uh, these, these fleas uh, uh, attach directly uh, to the, uh, the the skin tissue, and uh, they do suck some blood. Uh, and they're very difficult to get off because their mouth parts are embedded in in the skin. Uh, not very common, but I've had a couple of folks call me uh, in this past year. So while we were doing this today, I thought I'd throw it out there for people to to see. Uh, now, while they are hanging on to the host, which is the chicken, uh, these uh, fleas have the uh, ability to lay their eggs, and they do what they call uh, projectile laying. They actually will, will pro the eggs will come out of them like a projectile into the litter, and that's where the, uh, the growth cycle will start in the litter. So if you have uh, stick-tight fleas, uh, you know, one of your first lines of defenses is to treat that litter or get rid of that litter uh, and treat the birds at the same time. And you do the same thing, the Promethrin. You may even have to pick some of these off their face with a tweezer because they don't let go very easy. Um, and the bad downside of that is when you pick it off, any of the mouth parts that are left can cause an allergic reaction, and you can get some swelling at those spots uh, similar to what you might get with a mosquito bite uh, or other, other bites. So um, you're going to want to look at you know, your, your Promethrin, your Elector, uh, your poultry protector, uh, those kinds of things uh, for these. Because these you want to get rid of real quick. You don't want to use anything that's going to take uh, time. Same thing with scaly leg mites. Uh, I don't think anybody that's had chiggers would like to uh, envision that that's exactly what's going on and how a chicken feels uh, when he has scaly leg mites or scaly face mites. So I don't think you'd want to uh, put the chicken through that uh, day after day waiting for Vaseline or some other thing to work. Okay? So... Uh, I think that the you know the prudent thing is the the Promethrin, the Elector, uh, those kind of products uh, uh, directly applied uh, should get rid of these things. Uh, but you you've got to remember, especially with these uh, stick tight fleas, you're going to want to treat that bedding. It's uh, very very important, and because uh, they jump up out of the bedding, latch themselves onto that skin face tissue and upper leg tissue and stuff, and and they are not letting go. So. Um, that's what all I've got there, Andy. We kind of covered all the bases, I think. Yeah, very good. Again, a great topic, a hot topic here, um, and uh, it's always a popular one. That every chicken owner should be uh, up to date on their uh, knowledge with mites and lice, because uh, you know you keep chicken framing for near years, you, you may experience this, and um, uh, you want to know the uh, proper way to diagnose and treat and, and deal with this, and and what to look for. That's uh, a big part of it, knowing where to look, how to look, what times of the day to look, and uh, <clears throat> based on all the different types of mites and lice that, uh, that the chickens are susceptible to. So, Peter, thank you very much. I don't want to spend too much more time on the air with uh, my horrible voice and, and this cold, but 
I do appreciate you coming on and kind of carrying the show today with all this great information, and and I look forward to having you back um, every Monday. I do anticipate having a show uh, next Monday. It's the following next uh, Thursday and uh, Friday, but I know there won't be a show in that following week due to surgery recovery. But, uh, again, I think uh, next Monday we'll be uh, good to go. So thank you very much for coming on today with this great topic. And uh, we appreciate you joining us uh, every Monday here coming up in 2015. So Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Andy. My pleasure. I look forward to it. Great. Thank you so much. Now, folks, that's Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. And uh, check him out. Check out his store. A lot of cool things there that uh, you can probably use. Uh, to keep your backyard flock healthy. Again, that's going to wrap up another uh, episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Visit them online, kalmbachfeeds.com. Check out what they're all about. And uh, we'll see you later this week with another great episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper. God bless everybody. Oh.